Sonia and children for that. If you turn your Bibles, please, to Numbers, chapter number 14. Appreciate the opportunity to be back here and that uh, you all receive us so warmly. Thank you for that. And we uh, count many of you friends uh, from uh, the years that we've been in and out of here. And we're grateful to, 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 to be back again. And I've heard good things about your pastor. And I know that um, they, uh, as they're over in China, that... Uh, You'll miss them, and uh, maybe sometime we'll be back here where I can hear your pastor preach. I heard him one time, I think it was his installation service, so he might have done kind of a modified thing. Uh, I can't remember uh, all that happened, but it might have been a little shorter since we had other things going on that day. But I think I heard him that morning, and, uh, but it was a great message. And so we, um, but uh, we appreciate them, even though we don't really know them, but um, have met them and having heard, heard good things. But, um, and thank you, Brother Roland, for that Sunday school um, Bible study. You just want to read, some of you just ought to go home and read Isaiah 36 and 37. It's the most amazing passage. It's not the only time that's mentioned, but as you know, Isaiah is full of prophecy. And then, and then Isaiah 36 to 39, is a, is a, they jammed it right in there. The Lord wedged it right in there, a historical section about Hezekiah, this amazing story about Hezekiah and, uh, and Sennacherib and, these, and this world nation coming against little old Jerusalem. And um, tremendous, tremendous. You ought to go home. I think I counted up. It's like only 60 verses between those two chapters. One has 22 and one has 40. Don't challenge my math. Uh, but uh, it equals about 60 verses and tremendous. The Lord, the, the best part of it really, I think, is as, uh, where, where, the, where Sennacherib uh, uh, through his uh, through his general is undermining the Lord, as was mentioned, and Hezekiah gets a letter, and uh, I, I've done this. He takes the letter and he goes up and he just spreads it out before the Lord. In other words, Lord, here it is. You can read it. It's here. I know what it says. And I would encourage you to, uh, when you're in a situation, sometimes you just want to go and and uh, maybe lie down on your floor or lay down on your bed and just take the. Take the, the problem you got, maybe write it down on a piece of paper and just lay it out there for the Lord. It's a tremendous um, action of faith where you're just like, Lord, I have nobody else in this situation. Not that's going to solve the problem like we need to be solved. And here it is. And here's my concerns. Here's my, the people that I'm concerned about or the situation. And here it is. Tremendous. Isaiah 36 and 37. Again, it's, it's mentioned another place in the Bible, but it's put back in there in Isaiah as well. And uh, tremendous. So I appreciate that Sunday school hour. Uh, this, this reminder of God's deliverance. So um, anyway, we are, again, glad to be uh, back here. Uh, I don't know if you heard the story about the announcement. You all made a number of announcements today, um, but you, I did not hear this one. There was an announcement. This, this, this announcement was from the pulpit at a church, and they said there will be a, um, a meeting uh, of the church board immediately after the service announced the pastor, and uh, there was this visitor there, and this visitor heard the announcement about the church board immediately after the service, so at the close of the service, he went back there, and they were just kind of meeting informally, and uh, here was this visitor, all right, and uh, you know, the meeting, it was a deacon board, but he called the church board, and uh, the visitor had never even been there before, and here was this guy, and so the, the pastor, you know, the pastor, pastors have to be nice, you know, even if they're faking, and he said, my friend, didn't you understand that this is a meeting of the board? And the man said, well, yes, after today's sermon, I'm, suppose I'm just about as bored as anyone else who came to this meeting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully after this message, you won't say I, you are now a member of the church board, okay? Uh, that, would, that would not be good. Okay, Numbers, chapter number uh, 14. Uh, we uh, are looking forward to uh, what the Lord would like to do in, in this message, and I trust that... Uh, you will have an opportunity to take some notes. Hope you'll get, have a pen, and uh, maybe you can write it on the back of a, a bank statement or something, um, but, uh, or a bill that you have, but uh, maybe have a way to uh, write down something on the back of the bulletin uh, if, you, if you can. Um, Numbers 14, let's read this. 
Number 13. Number 13. Look at verse 25. Number 13. 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. Now, you'll know the background of the story if you've been in church at all. The, the, the 12 spies went out, and they're searching what is, what is we call the promised land. And the, the uh, not 12 disciples, the, the 12 spies, they go out, and they are um, searching out the land. And you remember that they come back, and um, there's uh, two different reports that come through. And this is, uh, this is the promised land after all these years. And these 12 men went out, and let's see what happens. Verse 26, and they went and came to Moses, verse 26, and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land where thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people that... The people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people. He's one of the twelve. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up <coughs> at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against it, against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Let's pray together. And would you pray silently while I pray aloud? that God would meet with us today, that he would teach us, and that he would do something great in our hearts. Let, let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would help today, Lord. We're certainly in need of, of your hand to, to be here and to speak to us. And uh, Lord, we need your presence here. We do believe the promise that we're two or three are gathered. There you are in the midst. So, Lord, you're here. But uh, we ask that you would speak very clearly. Help someone, Lord, that needs a message, that kind of like a lifeline. They came to church today, and they just need help in a certain area. Lord, there'd be no way that I would know anybody's struggle here or their problem or a, a difficulty or a challenge they're facing or anything about their life, just really nothing at all. And so trust that you know, and since you gave us this message for this morning, that, that some would be open to it and receive it, realizing that there's no way that that message was just random, that, that is, there was something there for me. Lord, help us. We need you so dearly, so greatly, and Lord, you're speaking Today you will speak, and uh, you have already spoken in the, in the Sunday school hour and through the songs, Lord, and now we're asking you to speak in this time. Pour out your spirit, do what we cannot do. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you today about finding relief in your spirit in difficulties. Finding relief in your spirit, in difficulties. We often have challenges in our life, difficulties, problems. In fact, let me just ask you, how many have ever had a problem in your life? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, how many say, I've never had any problems? All right, all right, it's like 
the only here, if you're here today and you're actually not alive, then uh, you might have raised your hand there. Uh, but the point is, because we're alive and we do have problems, a child that's in the nursery might say there are no problems, all right? Isn't it amazing that when we're, when we're young, you know, I have young children, some of you have younger children, and they can be pretty laid back and easygoing and, you know, have fun, and then somehow they grow up. Did you notice my son Micah is getting taller? Okay. Whenever he comes near me, he wants to compare sometimes. Not, not every day, but he'll try to compare. So you know what I do? I either go on my tiptoes, which is cheating, or I go short, which is cheating, but I don't care. Okay, I just don't want him to get an even measurement, all right? And I know some of you, you were sitting there in the pew, instead of listening to our song, you are thinking, Micah is almost taller than his daddy, okay? I know what you were doing. I could tell it, all right? So anyway, the point is, he's soon going to pass me up, but I don't even want him to get a good measurement, uh, so I, don't, I, I just cheat when he's around, you know, okay? Or, or I somehow flub it. Uh, but the fact is, how is it that a young person can, uh, you know, we can just be all about just, you know, uh, childhood and, and then, but yeah, fast forward about 20 years, and the child is no longer a child, it's turned into an adult. And they got all these things that weigh them down, and they got all these struggles and these problems and these challenges, and they're struggling inside with, with, with uh, handling these things right, okay? And, they can, and, and that's what happens to us. I remember when I was a kid, and you know, and your biggest challenge is that, you know, someone uh, shared their lunch with somebody else, you know, and their peanut butter sandwich, and you didn't get a bite of that, okay? Or you didn't get picked first on the kickball team, all right? And, uh, or, you know, or someone stopped talking to you in class, or they wrote you a note, you wrote them a note and said, will you be my friend, yes or no, check the box. And they don't even check yes or no, you know, they, they rip, the, rip it up and send it to you or something, okay? And you kind of get the point there, that was like a no. But uh, anyway, the thing is, the biggest things that can happen are these childhood things that go by, and then 20, 30 years later, you have an adult who's got all these struggles and all these challenges, and, and life is very hard, there's all sorts of things that cause frustration and discouragement and things like this. I want to preach on this, finding relief in your difficulties. You know, when we're going through difficult times, often the thing shows up rather soon in our speech, in our words. The children of Israel here are in a situation, they're actually in a great time, if they had just trusted God, God had this promised land. By the way, why was the thing called the promised land? You want to take a stab at that? Because it was promised. Hundreds, I mean centuries before this. Promised to Abraham. Your, your descendants are going to go in there. So here they are. They've been in Egypt for, for 400 years. And, and they come out of that in a great show of God's power. And they get across there. And, and Moses says, hey. And he says, I'm going to pick 12 of you guys. These are leaders. It's like if I was going to say, hey, who's the leadership here in the church, you know? Leaders in churches are going to be spiritual men, hopefully mature men and people who have not just, you know, just shown up at church for one Sunday in their life, but people who are, have walked with God. And, and these were leaders, and they picked 12 guys, and the guys go in there, and they come back. And uh, they said, man, this is a great land. They have the fruit that's hanging between the pole they're walking on, these huge grapes. And they even call it a land that flows with milk and honey, which is, which is kind of an... Uh, an exaggeration, but it's, 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 in other words, it's very, very plentiful and bountiful and amazing and fruitful and lovely. It's a paradise, but we saw these giants there. And uh, later on they say, we saw these walls in their cities, and they're walled up to heaven. And the people start getting disturbed in their spirits. And Caleb comes along and says, Oh, no, 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 no. We can do this. God's going to be with us. We can do this. And what happens is the people say, the ten guys say, who are leaders? And they, and they say, no, we can't. So then in chapter 14, the congregation lifts up their voice and cries, and they weep, and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. So here's the murmuring that started. And many times, many times, our, our struggles it comes out in our, in, our, in our words and in our mouth. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Um, we have to be careful about what we say when we're in difficulties. In James 4.11, it says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. You know, there's really only two sources of, of trouble you can have. One would be 
uh, from circumstances or, or the other category would be from people. And often people are the ones that cause us the biggest grief. But for James, James 4.11, speak not evil one of another. James 5.9 says, grudge not one against another brethren. And sometimes you can even have a problem. Can you all hear me okay? You can have problems uh, even that float into the church. And then people are talking and murmuring and, and, and things are going on. Paul had this situation in 1 Corinthians 11, 18. He says, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So let me ask you, in your problems and in your, dis- in your difficulties, how are your responses? And do you end up grumbling about things? How is your attitude in, in, when situations don't go the way you want them to? I actually have a lot to cover, but I'll try to cover it very, very briefly here. Have you ever realized that God has put us in a world where things are not going to be always what we'd like them to be? How many say, I know that, you don't have to tell me that, all right? It may be with some place you work and the people you work with. It could be some neighbor that's causing grief to you that, you know, uh, for whatever thing, it could be uh, extended family situations. It could be uh, someone in the church. It, the number of things that, that go on, and it could be a health situation, a financial situation, people making decisions for you that, or have made decisions that have impacted your life. And we can have these situations where uh, we don't like what we're seeing. We don't like this category. We don't like this, this issue. And many times it comes out in our mouth. Uh, I don't know if you heard this, but when it comes to about talking and about people and things like this, there was a, there was a man who, he got, his wife had left her phone. She went to the mall, and she left her phone at home, and uh, so it rang, and he picked it up, and, uh, and they said, oh, is so-and-so there? And he said, no, ma'am, she's not at home at the moment. Would you care to leave a rumor? Okay. <laughs> okay. People talking, all right. Um, there was these two or three folks that went out to a restaurant and they got together and one of them said, um, you know, talking about another lady, you know, I wouldn't say anything about her unless it's good. And oh boy, believe me, this is good. Okay. <laughs> um, did you hear about the lady who said to a friend, she said, I won't go into all the details. I've already told you more about it than I heard myself. <laughs> okay. See, our problems sometimes come out things we're challenged with come out in our mouth. And in this case, they're murmuring and, and they get themselves in a problem. But have you ever realized that our, the things that go on inside of us, the reason we talk about the problems, the reason we struggle with the problem is often we're trying to process it. We're trying to come up with some type of way to deal with the problem. And that's why in this message, this idea of finding relief in your spirit over difficulties, I want to mention three difficulties. The first one is this, finding relief in your spirit over anger. The second one is hurt. The third one is discouragement. All right, so let's just be honest here. We're in church, supposed to be honest, okay? How many of you ever been hurt? Can you raise your hand? Been hurt? Anybody? Okay? All right. Micah and Julie, I'm looking at you. If my kids don't raise their hand, we're going to preach an extra 20 minutes, all right? So how many have ever been angry? Can you raise your hand? Okay. How many have ever been discouraged? Okay. How many go through all three at one time? Anybody? Okay. The fact is this, Psalm 51, 10, David prays, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Isn't it amazing that God actually believes that we can go through difficulties and challenges and things that would anger us and things that would hurt us and things that would discourage us, and we can come out, we can go through that, with the right kind of spirit, we can actually handle that problem correctly instead of just being an angry man or just a total discouraged person that the sky is always falling or so hurt that we get bitter. And the fact is, what are we going to do in these situations? Well, the premise of this message is that we have got to find a place. Now, stay with me when I use this word. We've got to find a place where we can deposit hurt and anger and discouragement so that we don't carry them in our spirit, all right? 
So here's the deal. We're either going to carry it because they will, they will happen. In this world, you will have tribulations, Jesus says. And if you study that word tribulations out, the word tribulations, it, it can kind of mean different things. And I've kind of summarized it as under the category of, in this world, you're going to have problems. Because tribulations could be all sorts of a trial or something that, you know, that you don't want. And, and, uh, but God has put us in a world where things continue to go in a way that we wouldn't want. Now, here's the thing. If we don't learn how to handle those problems, we are going to likely respond wrongly, and we might become a person, can I say it this way? We might become a person that's not very happy with almost anything. So we kind of don't like much of anything. We gripe about politics. Well, there's a lot to gripe, amen, about, right? We gripe about the weather. We gripe about how much we're getting paid at their job. We gripe about the length of a message. Exception right here, you would never do that. We gripe about many things. Slow drivers, unless you are a slow driver, and you gripe about fast drivers. But the point is this, that we can be people who are disgruntled with about everything. Now, let me ask you, is that where God wants us? Does he kind of want us to kind of just live out our days, kind of just like Mr. Grumpy? Always upset, always ticked off, always annoyed, or almost. Because if you live with your family members and you're like that, they don't know who they're going to get on a certain day. And I think that this matter of having a right spirit is going to come down to finding someone that we can deposit these things with and leave them with him. Now, you know it's because we're in church, it's going to be about God. But see, if we don't go to God, and it was mentioned in the, in the Bible study hour, that in a crisis, the first person we're supposed to turn to is whom? God. But how many of us, God is not the first person we turn to. Now, in principle, we, we would, if you asked us in church, you might say, are you trusting God? Well, I'm trying to. But our mouth tells us, you know, we're either talking to God or we're talking to somebody else. And what we're trying to do is deposit our problem with them or try to get a little bit of shared understanding with this problem. Now, it's nothing wrong with trying to get some shared understanding, but the problem is, is this, that God stands over here kind of as a last resort. You know, my wife, you know, one day she was looking, when she was single, and she was looking at where to go on vacation. This is not a true story. I'm just telling you. You know how preachers, she was looking at all these vacation spots. She's at a travel bureau, and they don't have, I don't know, they have travel bureaus anymore. You know, Aspen, you know, she's looking for Paris, you know, all these different places, you know, the Nile, the Riviera. And she came to that last poster, and I was standing there. So she found me as a last resort, okay? But the point is, it's, it's <laughs> it goes downhill from here, folks. Enjoy what you got, okay? The fact is, okay, we, we, we look for someone to deposit our grief and our struggles with. And if we find someone who's a listening ear, we'll keep going back to them. And guess what? Sometimes God is the last resort, isn't he? And he's over here like, Oh, I want you to come unto me, all you that labor and have relayed, and I will give you rest, and you will find rest for your souls, he says in Matthew 11, the last couple of verses. So he wants to give us rest in our soul, relief in our spirit, and we've got to learn how to do that. A couple things here. The person, you might want to write this down, the person who doesn't know God well will greatly struggle with many problems. Yep. The person who doesn't know God well and won't rely on him will greatly struggle with many problems. They'll be angry, they'll be envious, they'll be critical. And secondly, the inverse is true. The person who knows God well and relies on him will come through problems very well. So the, the, the deciding factor on if I'm going to come through the problem very well is how well I do know God. If I know him very well, then I'm going to rely on him, and I'm going to come through the problem very well. Can you write down Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8? 
Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. How can a, a plant bear fruit when there's been no rain, and you have a drought? Well, God does miraculous things. And when you're in a dry situation, a dry season, your leaf can still be green. You can still bear fruit. Why? Because blessed is a man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Again, Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. For he or she shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So, we jump into this a little bit more, there are some things that can pull us down. And I want to mention three things that can pull us down, and then we'll, we'll get into some solutions here. Some things that can pull our spirit in the wrong direction so that we are responding wrong. First of all, these are just, I'm not going to say much about these points, just to li list them, is frustrations. We get frustrated with people. We get frustrated with things. We get frustrated with delays. Another thing we get, our spirit can get whacked out about, is when we experience injustice. I, I'm just going to leave it there, but, and the third thing is this. The three t there's three times when our spirit can respond wrongly. Frustrations. Second one, injustice. And the third one is this, wrongdoing by somebody else. Now, if you've been saved any amount of time, God is going to allow you to go through trials, and some of the deepest valleys will be when there is injustice in your life. And maybe the hardest one is when there's wrongdoing in your life from somebody else. Now, we all do wrong. But the wrongdoing on the part of another person can be one of the biggest challenges to reveal to us, do I know God well? And am I going to trust him? And if I know God well, th then I will trust him. And I'm going to come through fine. But when I face injustice or frustrating things or wrongdoers, if I don't know God well, you know what's going to happen? Those situations are going to be so big. Just like the children of Israel, they're going to see all that. And they're going to forget about the God that just not too long before that, they came to the edge of a huge body of water. It wasn't the puddle in your backyard. And there's a sea here, and the Egyptians are coming behind them, and they're going to die. And Moses takes his staff, and he holds it out, and the thing goes like this. I don't know how many of you ever saw that. You guys remember the cartoon called The Far Side? You remember The Far Side? We're going to read those cartoons in heaven. No, there's some good stuff there, okay? They, the far side guy, one time he talked about Moses as a child. And he was practicing before he got to the Red Sea. And he was in the bathtub and he was parting the waters in the bathtub, okay? So get a little warmed up there for the, for the big miracle. But the point is this. When's the last time you saw a miracle like that? Like, never. But they did. And then they walk across it. And remember, it was really muddy. Oh, no. It was dry. That was a second miracle. He splits the sea. Never happened in the history of the world. And then they go right down in it, and it's all, he blow dried it. It's all just dry. And then they get to the other side, and they all get over there, all their children and all their, their uh, grandparents and, and all their animals and everything, and they get over there, and they stand up there, and Moses holds the staff out again. By this time, here come the Egyptians' army, the world's most powerful army. Here it comes. 
and most hold the staff over, and the whole thing flows over, and they, and they get wiped out, right? Remember that story? And these are the same people who were told, the reason I'm doing all this is to get you over there, and they get in there, and they panic, and their spirit gets all whacked out, and they come up, and they bring up an evil report because the, the tall giants and the tall walled cities and all the people, millions of people, start getting discouraged by that. Now, here's the thing. They saw something. They made these things bigger than God, didn't they? And, folks, this is the lesson. I have some points here. It won't be here till 3. Don't worry. I'm cutting it off at 2.30. The point is, the point is, that happens every day in our life if we let it. Something is bigger than God. Now, not in principle. We know that. We know nothing's bigger than God. That's just like church saying, oh, God is, you know, he's almighty, he's all-powerful. But no, no, we get in these situations and we act like that is the worst. Or this is unforgivable. Or this should never have happened. And what happens is this. God is over here. And he's bigger than all this. He's proven himself. How many of you can say, God has proved himself a faithful God in my life before? Has God proved himself? He still provides for you, doesn't he? He still helps you, doesn't he? He's still there for you, isn't he? He's never gone on vacation and not given you his phone number. He's always reachable. He even says in, is it Ephesians 3, 12, something? He says, you can come and you're supposed to have boldness in your access to him with confidence. He actually stacks all these words together. We have boldness with access with confidence. God wants us to come before him boldly with our access. You know, I'm not, I haven't been invited to the White House lately. I have no access there. I'd have to jump the fence and get arrested. God says, hey, I'm not Joe Biden. I'm not Nancy Pelosi. I'm not the governor. I'm God. And I want you to come in your access I want you to come boldly, and I want you to come with confidence. Now, listen, who else has given you, who can change things, who else has given you the right to do that, and, the, and actual, the, the, the actually instruction to do so? We're talking about a great God. We're talking about a God that loves you, who's allowing you to go through situations so you can find him faithful in that situation. He didn't let them go into a, the, the land, the promised land, where it was just full of midgets. Where they're like, hey, we can knock these guys out. Rejects from the Wizard of Oz. We can knock these guys out. No, he lets them to go to a land where there's guys who are a little bit taller than them. Now, they exaggerate and said, they're, we're like grasshoppers to them. Totally exaggeration. And this is what happens in our problems. Everything gets blown way out if you're not going to bring God in. And that's why if you're an angry person, your problem is not everybody else. Your problem is that from early on in your life, you have not learned to see God in the picture enough to calm yourself down. And therefore, the picture is always worth exploding over. If you're a, problem who struggle, if you're a person who struggles with anger, your problem is not that you just need to manage your emotions. Your problem is you need to get to know the creator of the world who's bigger than your problems. And he's bigger than the things that cause you problems. And he's willing to, if you'll just say, Lord, I need to have a right spirit. Lord, I'm going to bring this thing to you. I'm going to deposit my hurt or my, or my anger or my, my uh, discouragement. I'm going to deposit that with you. And I'm going to have to learn how to leave it with you. And I'm not going to be the one that's going to be solving all these problems, which never get solved with anger. But that's, what, that's the only thing we know. If the only tool you have is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. Amen? An angry person, every an angry person, every problem looks like it needs anger. That's what it needs. Or control. Finding relief. Let me give you four points here. First of all, the big ticket items you need are these. You need to know this. Number one, you will get through this eventually okay you're going to get through this next problem okay in god's will you're going to get through it number two 
this is, this is what I call understanding the end game. Now, how many know there's a thing called a Super Bowl? You ever heard of a Super Bowl? I don't even know what it is, okay? Anyone, there's a Super Bowl? It's probably coming up one of these days. Anybody know when it's coming up? Maybe like in a few hours here. All right? Did you buy extra nachos yet? Okay. The point is, Super Bowl, you know what? If we could understand, if we could, you know what? Tomorrow this time, I'm going to tell you, if you want to call me, I'm going to tell you exactly how to win the Super Bowl. That's what I'm going to tell you. Okay, call me. All right, don't waste your money on calling someone else. Call me and I'll take your credit card number and I will tell you exactly how to win a Super Bowl. Okay, I'll tell you. You know why? Because after I find out how they win it today, I'm going to tell you tomorrow how they won it. Okay, now the thing is this. God's all about winning his battles, isn't he? And he tells us how to win it early. He doesn't wait till we go into the problem and then we have no idea what to do. No, he tells us in advance what the, the escape routes are. He tells us what the game plan is. He tells us what the end game is. And the first thing is this. We just got to remember, in God's will, I'm going to come through this next problem. Okay, I am. No matter what it is, this is the game plan. This is the coach who has never lost a game telling us. I'm going to be okay. And by the way, how many of you have children still in the home? Can you raise your hand? You have children still in the home? You know what? The reason you got to get some of this down, and I'm not God, but I'm going to try to help you today. The reason you got to get some of this down, you know why? It's because your kids need to hear this stuff from you. Because in their, at, their, at their age, they're going to have these things that seem terrible. The sky is falling. They're going to have this terrible, and their emotional swings and everything as they get older. And if you have all these emotional swings as a parent, or you're angry, just they come home from school and someone has picked on them, and now you're picking up the phone and you're as mad as could be, you know what they learn? They learn God's a last resort. Tell mom, she'll go wring a neck. Yep, or run the principal over in her car, yep. Seen her do it. She's good at it. Just floor it right when she's in front of her. And the thing is, they, they, they will learn from you, won't they? They will learn from you on how to handle problems. So let me ask you, parents, that's convicting right there. What are your children learning from you about how you handle problems? Because it's going to show up in them. Proverbs talks about anger. We'll talk about anger here for a moment. Proverbs talks about this. It talks about that we're not supposed to be angry, but it says, With an angry man thou shalt not go. Remember that verse? With an angry man, thou shalt not go. In other words, you're not supposed to hang out with angry men. Why? It says, because you'll learn his ways. And some of you men, can I just be nice? I mean, I'm not going to be invited back here, so I can be as mean as I want to be. But, you know, if, if you're an angry parent, your kids are going to learn to respond in anger to their problems. Because it says it in Proverbs. I don't have the reference. Don't go with an angry man because you're going to learn his ways and you're going to get a snare to your soul. Yep. We have got to learn to take our responses and deposit them in God and not just keep responding the same way. Number two, so you're going to get through this in God's will. Number two, God has a resolution already in mind. He already has a resolution in mind. And there's two, two resolutions that I want to leave with you. Number one is, he can either change that situation or that person. Or secondly, anyone know what the second one is? Change, change me. Change my spirit. So that I can go and find relief in my spirit, so I can go through the situation and come out exactly how God wants me to come out. And guess what? Now, knowing that God is God, let me ask you, what is, he, what is his first choice usually? Does he change everybody else? He's working on us, right? Hate to break the bad news to you, but God's not going to change. He knows how to win games, and he knows that later on he wants to use you as a mighty force to help other people. And if all you ever did was not learn how to get these things to God, you're not going to be able to help anyone with pointing people to God, are you? You won't have, you won't have, someone will come to you with a problem, and you'll be like, well, you know, you just got to fight fire with fire, brother. Eye for an eye. Yeah, that's a good Bible principle there in the Old Testament. Someone mess with your child, teach them, and knock their block off. In fact, tell them to jump on him and knock out one of his teeth. That'll solve that problem. You know, he'll never mess with you again. Yep, and you totally left God out. 
We learn to either respond in the flesh or respond in the spirit, right? And what God's trying to teach us is that he has a way of wanting to work on us first. So if Roland here, Brother Smith, is going through a problem, you know what God's going to do? God can take care of the problem. He's God. He can just <laughs> take care of all the problems. Or he can solve the problem in Brother Smith's heart so that Brother Smith has realized, man, this is where I want to be. I want to be a man of God. I want to see God work. And God is working, but he's working on me. So now I have clear vision to know about how to go forward and how to move through this problem. Because I know God and what God is working Number three, God is protecting you through it all. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even if you walk through the vow of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear evil. God is with you. Number three is God is protecting you. So parents, this is an outline for your kids. You can say, honey, you can say, honey you're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. God, God knows what he's doing, number two. He has a resolution in mind. It's, God wants us in our spirits to, to trust him and to, to run to him. He's teaching us how to, to, to go to him when, when, when there's nobody else that's going to solve the problem anyway. Number three, he's protecting us. Do you realize that every trial you go through, all of God's promises are attached to him as he's there with you in that, in that fiery trial? Think about all the promises that you have attached to God. You know, in the Bible, there are statements, there is doctrine, there is instruction, there are commands. And then, praise the Lord, there are promises. Amen? And the promises are there for us to do what? To claim them. Because God is putting himself on the hook when he gives a promise. If I say to Brother Carlos, hey, Brother Carlos, I'm going to bring you $100 tomorrow. Now, he may be like, yeah, right. You don't even have 100 bucks. Your, your wife gets all the money. That's true, too, okay? But the point is, if he knew that I never broke my promises, he heard me talk to Brother Nest about $90. I was short that week. But I said I was going to bring him $90, and I did it. You remember that? I did it. And this person over here, $80. Rough times back in those days, and I was giving, and he knows, and guess what? If he'll just say, Dave is a man of his word. I don't know why he's giving out money, robbing a bank or something. I don't know what's going on, but the point is, he's, he's going to be here tomorrow and give me $100. You know, do you know that God has done that? God gives out promises. There are a promises of self-committal of God to you. And I'm not, we're not talking about to Moses. We're talking about to you. And if you'll find a promise in the Bible... That God is working all things together for your good? And he's going to hold your right hand through the fire? Man, these are promises. And you need to claim them. And, and you need to, as we talked about, spread, spread your problem out before the Lord and say, Lord, here's my problem. I mean, I've done this kind of stuff. You're just, you're just, you just pointed out to him like, Lord, this is the problem. You're like, that's ridiculous. God doesn't need to see your piece of paper. He didn't need to see Hezekiah's piece of paper. What he does need to see is our faith. And sometimes it's just so obvious that here's the problem. Here's the bill, Lord. I'm going to put it on the bed and say, here's the bill. I don't know where this came out of. I don't know why this is not being taken care of by the insurance. This is a problem for us. And you, prom you promise, you promise you're going to supply my needs. It's a promise. You're going to be protected through your next problem. You're being protected right now in your problem. Number four, getting out of alignment with Scripture is only going to hurt the process and the blessing. Getting out of alignment with Scripture is only going to hurt the process or the blessing. You know, tomorrow when I read about the Super Bowl, I bet there's going to be some people that made some mistakes during the game. You know how that works? Somebody flubbed a pass in the end zone. They dropped the ball. Or somebody was offside. Or somebody punched somebody out. That'd be great to see. Or, or somebody was, you know, they, they did something wrong. And people are going to make, make mistakes. And later on, they're, they're thinking, man, we could have won the Super Bowl had I just 
you know, not done that or not done this. And, you know, it's a terrible thing when, when the game's on, you know, a huge thing like this and one or two people are responsible for maybe how it might, obvious things might turn out a certain way. You know what? In the same way, when it comes to the, uh, a problem, the end game is this. If I get out of line, if I get off sides, if I don't stay on God's side, who, who says it in the Bible? Who is on the Lord's side? Who says that? Moses? Who's on the Lord's side? And you've got to say, I'm going to be on the Lord's side. I'm not going to get off sides. I'm not just going to kind of be doing my own thing in this game. He's the one. He's the coach. He's got to figure it figured out. I'm going to stay on his side. But if I get off sides, if I, if I get out of whack and don't handle things right in my spirit, and this is where it all starts, in our thought process, in our spirit, it all starts here. Problems just flow out of the heart, right? Out of the heart proceed all these things. But guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I didn't guard my heart, so I got out of God's will. All sorts of things blew up my face. And God says, stay on my side. Let me fight your battles for you. But if I get out of line, it's just going to, I'm going to miss out on God's blessing until I get back inside. Oh, now, he'll still bless me in the sense of, you know, he's still going to provide my needs, actually. He's still gonna, I'm still going to go to heaven when I die. But, but I'm going to miss the blessings of this green leaf in a famine. Amy Carmichael has a book called Rose from Briar. Yep, that's what God's trying to do, bring roses out of a briar patch. A couple of verses to give you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Here's how to find relief in your anger, your hurt, your discouragement. There's a solution. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, let, let's just go to Philippians 4. Can you go with me? Get out of numbers. Philippians 4, this is for us. We're almost done. How many have enough faith to know I'm almost done? But I just got to turn here. I have a note in my notes to turn to this because we just got to see it. This, this, these are promises. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. So it means, what's that mean? Help me out. What's that mean? What's careful mean? Yeah. Okay. Be anxious for nothing. Be worried for nothing. Okay. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, there's your job, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So what God's looking for, here's a solution. Here's what the Lord wants to see. He wants to see you praying with thanksgiving. Praying with thanksgiving. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, there's the relief we're looking for. The last part of verse 7. He's going to keep my heart and my mind in the right place. That's what I need. Next time I'm going through a dark tunnel, next time I'm going through injustice, next time I'm going through someone who's done me or someone I care about in a wrong, in a wrong way, I need my heart and my mind kept in the right place. And where is this going to come from? It's going to come from the peace of God. But where is the peace of God going to come from? By me taking everything to him in prayer with thanksgiving. So if you want to see what the Lord wants to see, number one, what God wants to see in our problem is he wants to see thankfulness. Thankfulness. Isaiah 63, 7, I will mention the loving kindness and the of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all the Lord hath bestowed on us in his great goodness. Isaiah 63, 7, toward the house of Israel. Psalm 116, 12, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? The three things that must be in place when I'm going through trouble to get relief in my spirit, number one, is thankfulness. It's the opposite of a lot of exasperated talk in front of the kids to my spouse. I can't be thankful and griping at the same time. The second thing is this, what the Lord wants to see. If I'm going to stay in his will and find relief in my spirit, number two, he wants me to have peace. 
Verse number 6 talks about thanksgiving. Verse number 7 talks about peace. Now, see, this is, this is where the magic begins to happen, or I should say the miracle. Okay? This is where the wonder of being a believer really makes it real, that, that we really know that God is real, is when I can go through a problem, and when I actually do what he says to do, which is to, be, to, to cultivate a thankfulness. Now, you say, no, wait a minute. How can I be thankful for this? I didn't say thankful for it. I said thankful. Thankful for somebody. See, you got to get God back in the picture. Can I get an amen on that? If, if your health struggle, if your family struggle, if your marriage struggle is the big thing, then you're not going to be thankful. Who would? We're in a world of sin, aren't we? Sin is, is going to affect all of us. And sometimes people's choices affect us. If you have an adult child who's not living for the, for the Lord right now, that, that's, that's a serious struggle in your heart. I get it. But what you have to do is you have to find the ability to be thankful. Why? Because God's promises and his, his commands for you to end up, where you're supposed to end up at the end of the game is this. I've got to find things to be thankful for. And, uh, and it comes down to a lot about God's nature. I mean, thankful, like the point, things I already mentioned. God is protecting me through this. I'm be okay. God is with me in this. I'm going to come through this eventually, okay? I always have. I've, I can look back on 50 years of living, and God has always been faithful. You know, the Bible says in one verse, in 1 Timothy, he talks about if we are not faithful, God abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Even in my unfaithfulness, he's faithful. He's never given up being faithful. And I can thank you for that. And I can thank you for that. He's got the game plan. And it's a good game plan. Let me ask you, do, do you want to be in charge of the game plan? God can just back out, and that's some, what some of you have been doing all your whole life, trying to, to do the things yourself. You really want to be in charge of everything that's coming at us? Over the, someone mentioned it. 2024 is going to be a wild ride. You realize that? With the presidential election? With all the stuff going on in Ukraine and in Israel and all sort of stuff, you think if you if you're a Trump guy, you think getting Trump in there is like bringing in the millennium? No, man, the the claws are coming out at that point, right? Things are going to get really nasty. We're talking about civil war almost. Okay, this is not going to be solved. Our problems aren't going to be solved with one election. Our problems are going to be solved in hearts as I learn to be thankful for in whatever state I'm in, Paul says, there was to be content. Number two is you're looking for peace in your spirit and the peace of God. Let the peace of God, he says, Colossians, Colossians 3, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you're called and be thankful. See, here's the answer. This is what God has done in my life is when I'm going through a trouble, if I'll just get to him, not as my last resort, but even if it was my last resort, I can repent of that and then get to him and say, I should have made you my first resort because I've lost all these months being angry or upset or discouraged, and I'm going to get back to you because peace only comes from one source, the Prince of Peace. He's the God of peace. He's the God of all comfort. And when I go to God with the problem and begin to peel back the issues and say, you know what, I just got to be thankful. I got to keep my eyes on God. It comes down to seeing God in the picture, letting God be in, he's already there, but letting him be in the picture in the way he wants to, it's not easy, but I get out my Bible. How many of you have a Bible? Anybody? You have a Bible. You probably have five at home. So if you have double vision, read both at the same time. Amen? Okay, but the point is, you get your Bible out, and you start reading. Read the Psalms. David continues to go through things that are calamitous. And he comes to the end and says, but I'm going to hope in God. But he's going to bring me through this thing. And you read the Bible and then you pray. And you read the Bible and you confess where you've been angry and where you've been wrong and where you wanted to get revenge and where you were bitter and all these sort of things. And you just pour out your soul to him. Isn't that what Hannah did? She poured out her soul. And then what's going to happen is when you release all all the junk, you know what's going to come? Peace is going to come. 
And you're going to say, when I put God back in his rightful place, it's amazing. I'm feeling a lot better right now. And I'm feeling confident that this is exactly where I need to be and stay. In a place of realizing I have peace in the center of God's will. And all hell can break loose in my life or my family's life at the perfect peace of God. And the last thing that God will bring you to is a place of confidence in him. Confidence in him. This is where you realize I have his presence, I have his love, I have his wisdom, I have his goodness, I have his faithfulness. Confidence in God. Psalm 52, 8, 9, But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it, and I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. Psalm 51, 12, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. There's confidence. If you hold in the hurt, it's going to keep you from rejoicing in the Lord and being thankful. Sometimes we have attitudes that shouldn't be allowed in the child of the king. As we close, there's two levels that cause me to, to struggle. And the first one is this. When I don't see God in the picture, that's the beginning of all my problems. Okay, you might want to write that down. You might want to tap it into your phone. You might want to text that to your grandma. Okay, when I don't let God in the problem, that is the beginning of the rest of my problems. So the Israelites, what should they have done? We all know it, folks. We all know what they should have done, right? Because what happens is the 10 guys that bring up the evil report, millions of people believe them, and then what happens? God tells Moses, now they're not going to the promised land. Remember that? And now they're like, wait a minute. What do you mean we're not going to the promised land? I know we said we want to go back to Egypt, but huh, we were joking. No, no. And guess what happens? And God says, because of your unbelief, Everybody 20 and over is going to die over the next 40 years as you wander around doing nothing. And guess what? We all know they should have trusted God. I had a preacher one time say this, two believed and two survived. The only two who believed, Joshua and Caleb. You know, Moses goes to be with the Lord and eventually dies out, but we're talking about uh, Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones that made it through the next 40 years. Amazing. Amazing. We still name kids Joshua and Caleb. Not at the same time, but separate names. Why? Because they trusted God. And we know that if they'd just done it, and, and this is the way it is, if we can just look at our lives and say, ah, I, I should be better at trusting. Okay, so here's how you do it. You, you trust God enough to realize, oh, I'm actually supposed to be thankful. And you get help with that if you need help with that. But just think, uh, remi just remind God, remind yourself. That's what the issue is. Remind God of, remind yourself of, he's been faithful to me in the past. He's going to bring me through. I'm going to come forth as gold, Job says. Though he try me, I shall come forth as gold, right? And Job went through much worse than what you're going through. You never lost 10 kids in one afternoon. You, know. you never had Satan come after you as an object lesson to destroy your life. Just to prove that God is not that good of a God. You've never had that. And Job says, I don't, though he slay me, I'm going to trust him. And tr trust is where you begin to thank God for what you do have and who you have. And then God's going to begin to bring peace. Just like getting all the toxins out of your body. You're going to be doing better. And you're going to have confidence that this is the way forward, that God is there for me. The two levels are this. We, is we don't see God in the picture, and then come the griping and the anger and the bitterness and the despondency and all this. When you don't see God in the picture, the second level is all the junk comes. Let's put God back in his rightful place. There's a song in the, in the hymn book, and we're not going to have you turn to it, but it, it's called Be Still My Soul. The Lord, it's 245, you don't have to do it now, but you might want to look at it later. Be still my soul. Why? We're talking, that's what relief in our spirit. Be still my soul. The Lord is on your side. And there's all these other verses. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that you would help us. May someone talk to you now in this time of quietness before the Lord.
may they realize that you can be trusted and we ought to trust you. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, will you just take a moment to talk to the Lord? You're going to have to take your problems and entrust them to him, deposit them in his capable hands. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. In a moment here, we're going to have an invitation. Sonia can play whatever she chooses, but are you in a bad situation right now, a hurtful situation? an evildoer situation. The Lord wants you to deposit all that. He'll lift you above the sting of those facts into seeing him in the problem. Lord, I pray in this invitation you would just help individuals to call out to you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet. There are seats down here if you want to come and pray or kneel. Just want to pray where you are. Don't know how you're doing it these days, but the invitation's open. Will you take the next 45 seconds to pray to the Lord about what he spoke to you about as the pianist plays.